Welcome to the Multitask Podcast. It's your boy Fadi. John, me and John are taking a little bit of a break this this week. Uh, it's been hot weather in Chicago. We're just kind of decompressing a little bit and um, just taking a little bit of a break. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Today, I know there's a it was a big news week, obviously. Um, Musk and Zuckerberg in a cage fight. Trump confessed on Fox. Hunter Biden and, and the charges there, or the settlement, if you will. <sighs> the missing submarine that went on the Titanic search. Um, people think that Mark Meadows is a rat. Alito had some payments, or he had some special kind of benefits gifted to him by a by a billionaire. Uh, Republicans uh, censured Adam Schiff. They tried to impeach Biden. They want to um, expunge the two impeachments. Bobert and MCG. <laughs> it was a very, very, very busy week. But because we're taking a little bit of a break this week, we're going to try to revisit basically all of those things. We made some predictions at the beginning of this season, beginning of the year, and we want to just revisit them. We want you guys to, because uh, we touched on and we predicted a few things that already happened. So it'll be nice to kind of uh, revisit that, and that's what we're going to do this week. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. We hope you guys enjoy this, and we'll see you next week. Peace out. Profile. Welcome to the Multitask. This is John. It's your boy, Fadi. What's going on, guys? So it's, uh, it's a new year. Uh, this pod will be airing on Monday, January 2nd. And as we do at the beginning of every year, uh, and I think this is also the beginning of Season 8, first episode of Season 8, um, but as we do with the, as we start out the year, we're going to go with our predictions. I think last year did we do five apiece? Yeah. Now it's going to be weird because we might have some of the same predictions, but it might be five for me and two for you, or vice versa. So we're going to make sure we get through it and we'll go orderly. But what I'll do, and I think we'll count down from five to one. I'll start with you. So my brother. Uh, Go ahead and uh, give us your first prediction, and I will tell you if I have the same. Pre- I will definitely respond, but we'll see. Yeah, uh, I just think I want to see. I, I didn't put them in order, but I, I think I'll go five to one. All right, all right. Number five is was ironically our number five on our recap show. Is I think by the end of twenty twenty three, Elon doesn't own one of Twitter or Tesla. I think he gets booted or moved out of or situationally coup attempt, inside coup attempt. I think well, – I'm not predicting both. I'm predicting one or the other, that he loses involvement in one or the other by the end of the year. I would dare I, – I, that's not on my list, but I like it. I would probably dare predict both um, just because the value that, that Tesla has lost – um, is going to be really hard for him to keep his job. And when you think about the revenue that's lost, you know, I still, I still wonder, and I don't know how many true investors there are in Twitter. I still believe that there might be some, especially the Saudis and the Qataris, who wouldn't mind seeing Twitter go belly up. They, I don't necessarily know if they're looking for return on investment. But then there's banks and there's others who definitely are going to, you know, want to see the company succeed. So it, it's hard to say, but um, no, I, I I think that's a, a good prediction. It's a strong prediction. Um, and if that happens, let's be honest, he's got no one to blame for him but himself. 
Yeah, 1,000%. Uh, the reason I'm looking at this is you just kind of talked about it. I send you stuff all the time about Tesla. It's just unsustainable. When you're going this fast downward, something has to crash, just naturally. Just It's a law of physics. It's a law of life, right? When you, It's just unsustainable. And I don't know if he decides to jump off Twitter to save Tesla. I don't know if he decides to jump off Tesla, focus on Twitter to save Tesla, uh, I'm not sure what he does, but all I know is, and I have a prediction later that might add some clues in, but I just think that when you're going this fast, something bad is bound to happen. So I, I agree that Tesla's probably the most likely one because it's, it's crashing so much. Um, but also Twitter is interesting because the EU is going after him. I think eventually Congress, Senate, whoever, I don't know who has their jurisdiction will go after him, not to necessarily jail him or anything, just to put regulations on Twitter and put rules behind Twitter. And so, uh, yeah, I, I just think it's one of those things where he got in it too fast. He wanted to get out already. And I just I just don't think it'll be fun for him uh, if it's even fun at all right now for him. Yeah, he definitely is in over his head. Now, my number five, and, and it'll be interesting is if this pops up on your list, but my number five is something that we don't have to get too deep into the year to see if it comes true. And my prediction, based upon what I've heard on the news and everything else, is that McCarthy does not become speaker. Uh, it's it's mm. I I I I am um, I I I don't know. I just get this gut feeling, and don't I'm not sure if people knew this at the time that. Uh, Paul Ryan was was in line to become speaker, or actually became speaker. Uh, McCarthy was in line to, to uh, become speaker, and there was, I think it was a potential rumor of an extramarital affair with another member of Congress or something. Uh, but no, I, I my prediction is that Kevin McCarthy does not become speaker. That's super spicy. I like it. We're going to find out uh, rather sooner than later here, like you said. Um it's interesting. I don't think, I think the, when I see McCarthy, I hear that what I see in my head is short leash. So my initial thing is I think he does become speaker, but they have him on such a short leash that he might not be speaker for long. It's, I think it's just one of those, like uh, a coach gets fired, the interim coach comes in and they're like, yeah, like, let's see how this goes. But by the end of the season, they're out anyway. So, so I like your, I like it. And I like the fact that we don't have to wait too long. It's something that is, has to be voted on. I just think they'll give him a shot, especially because Trump is backing him. And then I, I just think they have him on a short leash and they'll cut and, the, and they'll cut it short if they have to. I think that's probably what I would predict if I had to go in that realm. And, and you know, this goes McCarthy struggles. And, you know, if you were ultimately to get it, um, it speaks to why I was. I sort of feel that the Democrats under the leadership of Hakeem Jeffries are probably better off in the minority. Um, you know, Hakeem has got some detractors on the far left, AOC, the squad, and them. And I don't necessarily know, because remember, the reason why McCarthy is the leader, right now that's all he is, is the leader, is because he got the most votes, and that's a simple majority. That's not 218, that's just, you know, 50% plus one. Hakeem, both Hakeem and, um, and McCarthy are going to win their caucuses. But then they need 218 votes. And just like uh, McCarthy's having a hard time getting to 218, I first of all think that Hakeem is deserving of 218, but I also think that 
I don't know if AOC and the squad would be acting any differently than Marjorie Taylor Greene is right now. So I think that this frees up Hakeem to do what he needs to do. And I think I've talked about this in previous episodes where he can be loose and he can go ahead and, 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 and he can, you know, go hard, go in. And should the Democrats take the majority, he may have shown himself. There's two things. One, he may win over the far left, you know, and it's better to win it over, you know, without them holding something over your head than to win them over, you know, because they've got to get used to it. But there's also the chance if we take back the House that we might pick up some more seats that his detractors don't have to be on board with him, right? So I just, I feel better about this because I think, um, you know, we know that you get a new leader. And since Pelosi was there for so long, um, you also, even if you... Even if he had a consensus to where he could become speaker, I think he's better off not uh, replacing the speaker as speaker, if that makes sense, where he gets some time to really get his chops and to learn, uh, make some mistakes, take some risks. That way, I think if we we take back the House in 24, I think he's good, well positioned. I agree. I agree with all your points about Hakeem, for sure. I'm just going to... I'm going to uh, ask you a follow-up. This isn't part of your predictions, but if, if Tom McCarthy, who is it? Is it like we talked about that moderate kind of theory where a moderate goes across the aisle and says, hey, I won't I won't do the investigations if you make me speaker. Uh, or do they vote for somebody like um, MTG or even Trump, right? So what do you, do you have kind of an idea where that'll come from? I saw in the news, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I saw on the news that there's some thought that Scalise is um, is in best position. Now, the problem with Scalise is, and the, have you ever noticed, and this is one of the things I've learned by, you know, talking to certain members of Congress. Um, have you ever noticed that there's some members who, on the Republican side, who we know who are definitely the boogeyman, but there's some dynamics within Congress to where... Even though that person's hated, they have some good, genuine relationships on the other side of the aisle. Um, I Scalise, and if you look up Scalise's history, and if you don't know this, Scalise spoke to some white separatist groups a long time ago. Scalise is, in my opinion, as someone who doesn't have to have a relationship with him, who's someone who doesn't have to work with him, who could just watch from afar, uh, there's a lot of evidence, in my opinion, that Scalise could be a white supremacist. but he's got some good relationships with Democrats who they're definitely not, don't want him, but I don't know if they'll give him cover, but I will tell you if they select Scalise, I don't care about and but I guess we should care because there's, you know, we got a country to run, but I, as a, as a person in the field, I don't care about your personal relationships. They need to go hard. Do you realize that, if they elect Scalise and we go after the white supremacist angle, um, that could do some strong, strong damage to the Republican Party. Yeah, 1,000%. I really hate Scalise. I think he's one of the worst uh, out there as far as Republicans go. I would almost prefer McCarthy because he's an idiot and he bumbles his way through things. Scalise reminds me a lot of DeSantis in the sense that they care. They care about the things they're saying. Is McCarthy just wants the power. 
Um, so I dig it. It's a spicy take. Uh, I'll jump to my next one, if that's what we're doing. Um, my second one is in this realm. Uh, very Republican-based. I'm going to go on record, and I'm going to say that I think in the calendar year of 2023, Trump is indicted. Now, where that comes from, not sure. Because I think, I think the first one's going to come from Jack Smith, if that's his name, or the special prosecutor. I think that's where the first one's going to come from. But we have Georgia that's right on the on the goal line as well. I also want to make it clear, like, there's going to be years in between indictment and conviction if it's ultimately going to be conviction. So I just think for this year, and I think probably, I don't want to put a timetable on it, but probably in the first half of the year, I think. I think that Trump is indicted, whether it's Georgia or the, the federal case with Garland and Jack Smith. I think that's that's what I'm going with for number two. Well, I'm going to have to get a new number one because that was my number one. <laughs> now, um, what's funny, because, you know, when we did our rankings, we just said one through five. I don't think we talked about significance. Um, so I agree. Um, I do think um, I think that he'll have a mixture. I do think there'll be one federal. Uh, I do. Here's the thing. A lot of people, a lot of pundits you see talk about how they believe that Mar-a-Lago is going to be an easier f- thing on the federal level than January 6th. But even if he doesn't go down for January 6th, I see some of his close allies and others going down, even maybe even members of Congress. So I, it's, it's, is, um, I, so I think he gets both a state and a federal. I think he gets two state. I think, I think New York will, will come and get him again. Um, and now that they've, you know, reconstituted it at the uh, Manhattan district attorney's level. Uh, and then on top of it, I think Georgia gets them. Uh, now, the thing is, Georgia has a Republican governor, Brian Kemp. I don't know if Kemp would intervene at some point in time and issue a pardon or what have you. You know, Kemp is no Trumpster. And and Kemp's brand, if Kemp's going to have any kind of uh, growth or, you know, if he wants to go beyond being the governor of Georgia... I think it's in his best interest to be the anti-Trump. To be, you know, the, the, he's not a never Trumper. He's, you know, they probably have to come up with a new phrase that, you know, the former Trumpsters. But I think Trump gets two federal. I think he gets two state charges and at least one federal. I don't know. I mean, I just really think that even if there's not a legal argument for January six, and it may only come down to Mar-a-Lago. Uh, but if there's not a legal argument, I just still feel people will feel disappointed if, if you know because of what's coming out January 6th. But as I said, I do think some of his allies, some of his confidants are going to go down on January 6th. Yeah, uh, you said a lot of interesting things, especially about Georgia, because I actually heard this conversation the other way. I thought there was a conversation to be had that if Jack Smith or, or he has federal charges indicted against him that if a Republican wins the White House in 2024, that the Republican president could pardon him very easily. And I think he probably faces less damage than a governor would. And I think it's less likely that a governor like Kemp would do it because uh, one, it doesn't help Kemp politically because Kemp could win in Georgia without Trump, right? He doesn't need Trump. He famously didn't need Trump for this last election against Abrams. So I just think it helps him uh, probably less, and it probably hurts him more than it helps him, I think, uh, locally. So I think 
it's more likely that Trump gets pardoned on a federal level, especially if the White House is, is red in 2024, which we hope not, right? So I just think it's interesting. I also think it's going to be years, right? It's going to be quite little. I'm not talking about exaggeration here. It's going to be three, four, five years before we even see any sort of conviction or verdict in any of these cases because he's dragged on civil cases for 10, 12 years. I can't imagine something that's going to end his freedom as a as a citizen, right? So um, I do agree, though. I think those are all, I think those are all coming. I think Georgia probably hasn't did the rights. I think Jack Smith probably hasn't did the rights. John, we talked about this back in September, October, that they didn't want to meddle before the election. Um, and then now it's the holidays. And I just think you probably know this better timetable wise than me. It just seems like this February, March, April kind of lull of um, political season that that will be the time. Not that the DOJ is playing politics, but I just think they waited till after the election. They probably didn't want to do it around the holidays. Uh, not to not to be like sympathetic or anything. They just wouldn't have the resources. People take vacation and stuff like that. And it kind of seems like right after this new year, things would get circling more. What do you th- what do you think as far as timetable wise? As far as like what the DOJ is thinking? I I really don't know. Um, I th- I think and and this is the thing uh, with Merrick Garland and I and I wonder if Merrick Garland chose Jack Smith. Uh, because there are certain things about Jack Smith that are very similar to Merrick Garland, and I think as we know, you know, quote, quoting, quoting uh, Little Wayne, "Real G's move in silence like lasagna." Um, the my thought is that the I I feel like the feds will do will definitely indict him as it relates to the timeline, as it relates to what as relates to um, how they come at him and who else they come after. I just think that to their credit, and I think this is where we were um, ruined during the Trump years, to their credit, they're moving in silence. And I think it's going to be one of those, uh, it won't be out of nowhere, but it will still be like, whoa, <laughs> you know, when they go for it. So that that's, that's where that is. So, my fourth or, or, or second prediction, which is in the number four slot, um, is not based on any inside information. It's based on human nature. Um, I believe that Pelosi will retire sometime in 2023. Um, there's a few arguments for it. I think the biggest thing is she has served as speaker twice. Um, they're in the minority. Uh a special election um, gives whoever ultimately replaces her a, a, a jump start on seniority because, you know, that person would get in. Um, it's hard to be the speaker for two terms and come back and you're not even in leadership anymore, right? Now, I think there's going to be some type of speaker emeritus and she is going to be Hakeem's mentor. Um, so, I mean, and I'm not saying that she turns around and, and, and resigns in January. I just don't necessarily see her serving, uh, her full term. And then, you know, there's another element that I don't think people realize. Um, one of the best things about the democratic leadership, uh, under COVID is that they've done the proxy voting, right? And, uh, McCarthy, my understanding is, is going to pull that back. So, you know, San Francisco to DC, she can't proxy vote. Uh, 
I could, you know, and what does she got to prove? What, what does she have to prove? What does she have to prove? So, you know, I do want a rocking chair moment, right? Where she gets to go out, you know, my just, you know, for those who don't know, rocking chair moment is when a professional athlete announces this is their last season and every arena they go into, they celebrate them and they give them rocking chairs and everything else. But um, I, I want her to have a victory lap and I think the victory lap's already started. But um, I don't know. What are your thoughts? And, and I don't know. And, and I think you could potentially say the same about the other two, Hoyer and Clyburn. I definitely think if they don't retire, I think this is their last term. Also, isn't Maxine like 88? So the question would be, is not only Pelosi, but for all of the old heads, um, for all of the old heads that are there, what's their exit strategy? And I just think that, I don't know, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's a great take. I think it's some, it's not on my list, so you're safe there. But I think it's probably a high likelihood chance, percentage chance of happening. I think uh, the writing's on the wall. I think she is probably taking a little bit of a victory lap. She's They're not in the majority, so she doesn't have to worry about necessarily legislation or whipping votes or anything. I think she does do some mentoring of Hakeem, and I think she does do some events where she gets to be um, the center of attention for a little bit. And I think probably the dog days of summer when people go home and maybe she goes home and, and, and retires and, and there's a special election before kind of the, the year's out. Um, especially with a, 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 a Dem governor in California, I think they'll probably make it happen sooner than later. So, yeah, I think it's a great take. I also think, um, so, so let me ask you this question. Did she run in 2022, on the off chance that we kept the house and then maybe she was going to be able to walk away without uh, anything like that. Or what do you think, what do you think it was about her running, winning and then stepping down? Here's the thing. She's the speaker of the house. What would be, and how would this year's election have been framed if the speaker of the house did not stand for reelection? I, I, I think that I think strategically, it was the only. It was the best move, even if she doesn't intend to serve. And I and I also think that timing. And I know there's a lot of people who think the uh, the attack on uh, Paul Pelosi played a deal role in it. I don't know. I get a gut feeling that some of these decisions may have been made uh, even before the midterm <clears throat> and before Paul Pelosi was attacked. Um, you know, she's 82. Uh, Maxine Waters is 84. Now, the other thing, and I didn't put it on there, is Diane Feinstein is up there. I think she's 89. So, you know, the question is, you know, does Feinstein stick around? Um, you know, I do think, I do buy into the whole, how the hell are we running Feinstein out? But people don't, uh, Chuck Grassley was just reelected and no one says anything, right? You know, so I don't, I, I, I don't know. But uh, do you think, you know, even if it's not Pelosi, what do you think about the, and and I care less about the Republicans, but what do you think about the elder Dems who, they're either, you know, do you think that they will all fulfill their terms or do you think a lot of them will just say, hey, let me go ahead, step out, leave, and you know, what have you. What, what are your thoughts? It, it's interesting because I can't picture all five of them or six of them just saying retiring, right? I think some of them still want to do it. I think some of them 
some of them are lifers. We've seen Congress people obviously pass away while they're sitting and then something has to happen after that. So I'm not sure who's a lifer. I also think Clyburn is a little bit rejuvenated maybe, right? He gets a lot of credit, justifiably so, for Biden being president. And maybe he sticks around to make sure the 24 goes. And he just, I mean, South Carolina is now uh, the first state and stuff like that. So I just think maybe he probably sticks around a little bit longer to get his flowers. The other four, I definitely think, um, if not their last term, certainly um, their second to last term as far as uh, what they'll do. But I think Clyburn's probably, is he a little bit younger than all those? I don't think he's in his 80s yet, right? Right. Well, well, the other thing about Clyburn, though, Clyburn also was elected to leadership, right? So um, so Clyburn, to your point, uh, there might, uh, of, of, the, of the old heads, he's probably the one that is most likely to stick around. He's 82, believe it or not. He's the one that's most likely to stick, that's, to stick around and possibly run for re-election. Because to your point, um, he gets to play a role in getting Biden re-elected. He also gets to play a role in the fact that they are first in the nation. And as I said, unlike Pelosi and Hoyer, he's staying active in leadership, right? He's, I think, going to be the deputy or assistant uh, minority leader. I forget what, what it was that he was elected to. So that might be, you know, to your point, I do think Clyburn is probably the one that sticks around and not only sticks around, but maybe runs for reelection in 24. Yeah, before I get into my third one, I, I think also the Hakeem Jeffries factor, like to have somebody like him there to mentor you, to, to kind of guide you. And and not that Hakeem needs it, but I just think having somebody like uh, Clyburn there is going to be helpful to Hakeem as well. Um, all right, so number three. This one's a little out of um, politics, but or, or at least local politics. I, I'm going to talk about Ukraine a little bit. And this is going to be a weird prediction because I'm not being specific and I certainly don't want anybody to be harmed or hurt in any way. I think there's going to be something happening in Ukraine to shift it one way or the other. What I mean by that is I think Putin is threatening nuclear, uh, some sort of nuclear attack. And that's obviously worst case scenario. It would start something that he's probably not prepared for. And I think that's probably not why he is not doing it. I also read, uh, I follow a lot of people who would talk about Ukraine and they're saying like, look, Putin wants, he's scared of dying. Like, like most of us, he doesn't want to die and, and starting nuclear attacks probably start the end of his life one way or the other. And so I think he'll avoid that, but I'm also just worried that he'll do it out of spite and ego. And because he's losing so bad that he feels like he has to go worst case scenario. And on the flip side of that, I think something maybe happens um, I'm, by the way, my prediction isn't Putin using nuclear power. I just think there's a significant event in Ukraine that either pushes it one way or the other. And the other side of that is maybe Ukraine gets a little bit of help, right? Maybe uh, Americans, maybe something happens, right? There's an attack. Remember, we had a situation in Poland where something happened that maybe the United States had to step in or other countries had to step in and start fighting as well. And so maybe there's a, a, a bigger, a big brother that steps in. Ukraine doesn't need it. Clearly it seems like they need more ammunition and money and resources. But I wonder if there's another situation coming where, where Russia feels outnumbered and ends it that way as well. So I just think there's, I know it's a weird prediction. I just think there's something significant, a moment that happens that will be, I'll say this, we'll be talking about this moment on our recap show at the end of the year is kind of how I'll put it. Yeah. Um, I will, 
I I think you're right that there's going to be a either a sea change or some there's going to be some type of closure or new level of of engagement in um in Ukraine. Uh I do think that the fact that arms and other things are coming from the states to Ukraine, you know, is good for Ukraine. Um I do think that one of the uh, issues, and we've talked about it, is Ukraine is going to be moving into a position where they have the upper hand. But if the upper hand only opens up a negotiation, which still results in them giving up significant amounts of something, um, you know, does Ukraine say, no, we're going to ride this sucker out? Or do they do they go for it? Because I think right now is you know and of course we're talking about life death uh we're talking about you know just really i'm sure it's wreaking havoc on the economy there but you know you know if ukraine's in a position to where they can potentially uh pull this thing out do they stand down for a ceasefire or do they basically say uh no you started russia but we're going to finish it What, what, what do you think is what do you think in that regard I think the person who would least likely to want a truce is the person who's winning, and that's Ukraine. Um, Ukraine is winning, and so they, they might see an end here that's better than they imagined when they came into this. They might have started fighting with the idea that let's just keep everything we have and not lose anything. And now they're thinking, well, let's go get some of the stuff we've lost already and, and bring it back. And also, think about it, John. If, if they have a truce with Putin, it's just... From I don't know if you read this, but from what I read, he wants he wants a kind of a truce for a time being while Putin regroups. And they're just like, no, why would we give him time to regroup and get stronger and find more resources and come back? So I think Ukraine sees the end game that doesn't involve him as the leader of Russia. And I think they probably won't negotiate anything besides that. Um, and, and as they should, because they're on the upper hand now, they have all the leverage. Um, so I think that's probably what their end game is. I think Russia sees an end game of, uh, I don't know, because they're, they're at the whims of a dictator that I just don't see. Uh, it, it's just rides the rises and falls with the, with the emotions of him. So, um, he's scared to die. And I think maybe he sees an out somewhere. There's a highway exit somewhere, but like I said, what if, what if there's an attack and, and, non-Ukrainians or non-Russian people are hurt? What if Polish people are hurt? What if the surrounding areas hurt and Americans step in and say, think about this, John, when we, before this started, USA looked at Russia as the biggest enemy to them. And then China was right there as well. It's pretty clear that in a, in a conflict, not that I ever want anything to happen, but in a conflict, Russia stands no chance against America. If you can't even stand a chance against Ukraine, there's absolutely nothing you could do with a country like us. And so maybe United States looks at his opportunity to finally end that and have a regime change. Now, uh, Russia has nuclear capabilities, and I think that's a little bit dangerous. But I don't know. Maybe there, maybe just somebody else jumps in here and really puts the nail in the coffin for Russia. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's, it'll be fascinating, and it'll also be fascinating. You know, I think we talked about this. Part of the reason why Zelensky spoke to Congress when he did was there was a belief that uh, under Republican leadership, McCarthy or, or or worse, um, the Congress may have been hostile to to um, hosting them, 
And so that had a lot to do with the timing. So we'll see. Now, my third prediction is going to be tied into, but a different scope to what my previous one was. Um, as we know, and I think George Santos' seat may be the first one, um, as with any term or Congress, whether it's deaths, convictions, getting caught as a scammer, there's going to be um, resignations, deaths, people will not, who are, who are elected to Congress will not serve their first term. We just talked about it with Pelosi. But Pelosi, Hoyer, Maxine Waters, those are all safe Democratic seats. I predict that in the swing seat special elections, the Democrats will perform well. The Democrats will perform well. And, uh, you know, there's a lot, I mean, down to, I do think Santos, I mean, I don't know the, the, the ground in New York, but I do think if Santos is forced out, Democrats have a legitimate shot at picking up that seat. So my prediction, my third prediction is that in swing district special elections, and there will be a handful of them because we don't know what's going to happen, but trust me, they will come up. And I would also say, you know, not only swing seats, but could someone shock the world in an open seat, in, in an open Republican seat? Now, granted, I would hate for the shock the world to be Pelosi's seat or, 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 or some Democratic seat. But I do think that Democrats in, and we, you and I both know it'll be a random Tuesday in June where we're all wrapped and we're, we're watching, you know, some district in some state that we've never ever paid attention to. But I do think that Democrats will pick up, potentially pick up seats and perform well in um, special election uh, swings, swing seat special elections. Your thoughts? Yeah, I like this a lot. And the reason I like this a lot, because I think you're leaving out one of, one of the biggest factors is some of these Republicans might be in jail. <laughs> not deaths and not like, God, like some of them might be in jail and their seats might be up. And I think the look what happened to Bober in, in, in Colorado, right? Like that was a safe Republican seat and someone almost took it from her while she was uh, very popular amongst her base. Um, the Santos thing is interesting because um, I think New York probably regrets a lot. If New York didn't flip as much as it did, Democrats might be holding the house right now. And I think New Yorkers realize that. And I also think that um, the leadership in New York probably realizes they dropped the ball a bunch. Um, this has happened, right? John, Illinois has had Republican governors of recently. Like, it's not far-fetched to lose your state that is really considered safe blue. Um, so I, I think this is a great take because I think that a lot of people regret how 2022 happened locally. Like New Yorkers probably regret it. I think Texans will regret it once Abbott continues to fail. And and so I think that when something, and we saw what happened with Chantel and, and um, oh, I forgot her name. Nina but, Turner. Um, Nina like Turner. When, yeah, 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 Nina Turner. When a really, really important race is happening in a special time, there's not much to talk about in the middle of June, right? So it, it becomes national. You get hype, you get fundraising, you get eyeballs that you probably would have never gotten. And so I, I agree. I think this is this is probably very likely, and 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 I like it. Well, the other thing to consider though too is not knowing. Uh, the other thing is whether it's a swing seat or even a deep red seat. 
don't forget too, there will be also in their primaries, Trump versus the rest of the Republican Party dynamics. So, you know, when, when you think about it, you'll, you'll also have a situation where, you know, will it be a Trumpster, a maggot, a QAnon person, or will it be a moderate Republican? So I think that's the other thing is in addition to, and, and could, remember I said there could be some deep red seats that would, would potentially go to Democrats? Could a bruising, nasty primary with a Trump-backed candidate versus, I'd say, a McConnell-backed candidate, um, could that bruise the Republican Party enough that it makes the district a pickup, you know, also vulnerable, where you might even have a deep red seat that might be a little bit more in play than it should be strictly because of some of the things that happened in the primary? Yeah, I mean, that's a fascinating point. It's going to be, it's just going to be interesting um, to see how this plays out. I also think the the politics of, like, think about this, right? McCarthy's going to be, in theory, right, depending on your prediction, but if McCarthy's a speaker and they're running amok and hearings and hearings and everything like that, I think it just hurts Republicans across the whole board. And so um, I think I agree with, with everything that you said. I, I have, so John, I have two left. But I know one of mine was yours. So are you? have you done four and you have one left and I have two left? I've done three. I've done three and I've got... Oh, I had two left. I've done three and I have one left because we overlapped on uh, Trump getting indicted. Right. So technically four of yours are out there and you have one left. I have two left. All right. So I don't know. I don't want to ruin your first or your last one, but this is my second to last one. Uh, speaking of politics... We're going to talk about Biden and my prediction that is he runs. I know it's probably not super unlikely and it's probably a safe bet based on everything, but that's my prediction is Biden runs. I think that, first of all, to give up an incumbency factor in a general election, I think is, is fatal. And I think he knows that probably better than anybody. I also think that he's way more popular than everyone had imagined, depending uh, based on the 2022 midterms. He's really popular now, especially amongst people who just want a sane country, right? And that's people who came out, the independents who came out and voted for Democrats in the midterms. Um, I also think he's performing well, He right? He's, I, I know he's old. And it, look, saying he's old isn't, un, it's not factually untrue, right? It is true, but he's, He's doing everything that we've asked him to do. He's nailed all the promises. He's fighting back where he wants to fight back. He was campaigning just fine in the 2022 midterms. And then you you have his people who could go out and do it for him, right? Barack, Michelle, Kamala, first lady, the second husband, second gentleman, whatever whatever we we're calling uh, Kamala's husband. And so it's not just Biden versus the world. Like he has a, a big support system that could go out and rally up votes. So I think Biden runs. I know it's not super hot, but that's something that I think happens this year. Yeah, well, I will go a step further. I, I think Biden runs. Um, but one of the things, and uh, Jonathan Capehart, uh, I think, wrote about it and others, I do think that not only will Biden run, and we know that Kamala will be his uh, VP uh, candidate, but I think more importantly... I do think that uh, Kamala's detractors on the left, not the right, but Kamala's detractors on the left are about to get a big wake-up call. I think that, I think some of the people 
who've been coming for Biden on the left and coming and, and make casting doubt. I think it's been a lot of Kamala politics. If Biden has a successful two terms and you can't call Kamala inexperienced anymore, she she then goes into 28 as the leading candidate. If 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 if, if Kamala comes ahead, because you notice that a lot of the criticism is she shouldn't, you know, Biden shouldn't choose her as a running mate. She's ineffective. Yet we know that she's been really, 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 really effective. And now that she's not going to have the added burden of having to be within walking distance of of of, of the Senate, uh, you know, every day that frees her up a lot more. And I think that Kamala's going to win a lot of favorites. And as we talked about, with his age, you know, you're going to probably see a you're going to see all the surrogates, you know, Biden's still going to do what he needs to do, but you see, you're going to see the surrogates get called on. And that's more time for Kamala to ingratiate herself. But I do think that some of the backlash against Biden on the left is strictly because they know that Bernie's done all their, uh, uh, I don't think Elizabeth Warren has another shot at the presidency. All the progressive faves are not going to be there, and Kamala will be in the. If, if Biden gets a second term and it's a success, successful second term, Kamala is the prohibitive front runner. And you know who else is? You know, I'm I'm be partial to Kamala running in twenty uh, in twenty eight with either Sherrod Brown uh, as a running mate or as as Mayor Pete. And if you saw. Uh, a lot of folks on the left have been coming after Mayor Pete this week because of Southwest, and they're putting it on, on laying it on the doorstep. So I think that, um, and maybe that's I might have a have a new addition, but I think the far left uh, going to Biden. Your point about Biden, I think the far left's going to get frustrated by the fact that um, they are not necessarily having their way as far as uh, the pecking order. And the uh, of of who is next to run for president from the Democrats? It's a, it's a great point. I also I, I'm glad you brought up Kamala. I agree with the 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 commentary about her is is racial and it's um, look even when she ran for the primary, people were saying she's bad at politics and she's not good with people. And I and I just kept thinking like, how can the the second black or black female uh, woman senator? Excuse me be bad at politics like i know california is liberal but like i just don't know i don't get that how can someone who's the vice president of the united states she she must have known what she, like she knows what she's doing if she's able to get that far so i never really bought into it and so i i, I think it's borderline racial it's probably mostly racial to be honest uh, and sexist obviously but i agree with all your takes i also think my, i can't say this take for this year because it won't happen in 2023 my take on Biden running is different than everybody's. I could personally, this is me personally, I could see a situation like Pelosi where he runs, wins, and steps down before the midterms and lets Kamala take over for health reasons or old age or what have you. I don't see that as being super far-fetched because I think he might see 2024 as a goal and the incumbency factor and his popularity and everything. Uh, I just don't know that he wants to do this for another four or if he's capable. I'm not, I'm not saying he's not capable. I'm, I don't know what he's thinking. Um, I think if, if the country was in a better place, he would have never ran. 
he he's remember he said he ran for the sake of the country and to fight for the soul of the country and so he might feel like it's on target he doesn't want to give up the incumbency factor he doesn't want to throw kamala in the middle of a trump election he might want to stabilize things and win in 2024 and then maybe before the 26 midterms decide to step down and let her take over which ironically would make her president for two years and she could still run for another eight, if I'm not mistaken, because you're allowed two terms and not counting anything outside of that. So she could in theory uh, have 10 years eligibility. I'm not, I'm not predicting that. I'm just saying it's possible. So I I actually think that's more likely than he goes all four years and she runs in 2028, but either way, whether it's 26, 28, clearly she's the favorite. She should be the front runner. You cannot give up the vice presidency uh, if she wants it, which I believe she does. You cannot let the you cannot hop skip over the vice president. I don't know if I don't care if you're Gavin Newsom. I know he's aiming for it. Our local governor here in, in JB seems to be pivoting, but you cannot leap the vice president of the United States. I think that'll be fatal for anybody else. As far as running mates, I know we're running long, but as far as running mates, I think Mayor Pete's on the top of her list. I think Gavin Newsom would be on the top of her list if he wasn't from California. I think that because she's from there, you might want to try to attract a different part of the country. I think that's what people like to do. That's what Hillary tried to do with her nominee, which I forget. I think Kane. So I just think um, if Gavin Newsom would be high on her list if they weren't from the same state as well. Right, right, right. So now my fourth prediction, and I've I'm going to keep but it this on is your there. Final I'm, one, I, technically, right? It's final one, but I, I reserve the right to just come up with something new. Uh, but, Fair enough. Um, and I'm going to moderate it from what I wrote to where I think it is. I initially wrote that TikTok was going to get shut down. I do think that TikTok's future in the United States, I don't know if I will go so far as to say it will get shut down, but I do think that given its connection to the Chinese Communist Party, and everything else that if not shut down, TikTok is about to go through some things this year. Um, it's weird because you can't really quantify what going through some things is. So, you know, but I will say, even if TikTok doesn't get shut down, there's going to be a threat to its future in the United States. Your thoughts? Oof, spicy. It's not on my list. I love it though. It's definitely something that will come to surface in 2023. I was just talking to um, a friend of mine who's in cybersecurity, and we were talking about TikTok. And he lo- he, we were on the phone, but he basically looked at me and said, "Do you really have that app downloaded on your phone?" And I was like, "Look, it's. I understand the risks, and I understand what I'm giving up in that moment. But if the entire world is on it, what what, are, what else are we supposed to do? Right? TikTok's the number one used social media platform, basically daily." It's continuing to grow. It will plateau like everything else plateaus. But I just think, look, politicians are on it. AOC is on it. The president's doing stuff on it. I just think, I don't think it'll get shut down. So I, I'll push back a little bit. But I think it'll definitely get looked at and regulated a little bit more. Or or maybe there's another version of the app that you have to download or something like that in America. I, I'm not sure exactly what happens. But I think I think it's too profitable and it's too ingrained in society just to say no, thank you, and to pull it back. So, uh, but but I think that something happens this year with it, no doubt about it. I I had heard something that um, backed up my my um, anecdotal observation 
of TikTok that I don't know if you agree with. You you use it more than I do. I've, I've, I'm on there, but I've not posted anything. But unlike the other social media platforms, I'm told that TikTok has a greater disparity between audience and creators, meaning that on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, the people, you know, the percentage between the people who just observe and the people who are actively creating content, posting stuff, that that disparity is greater on TikTok than it is on the other platforms. Have you heard anything similar to that? And does that, even if you've not, does that analysis agree? Do you agree with that analysis? Um, That's interesting. Are you saying that more people are lurkers on TikTok than any other app? Well, I won't go so far as to call lurkers because, you know, they're, they're there. But I would say that where it's almost like YouTube, right? Where with YouTube, you actually have people who are pushing a lot of content and a lot of us have YouTube accounts and we don't really post a lot of content, right? Um, and, 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 you know, Elon, part of the reason why he decided that he wanted to do views is he's also saying that uh, there's a lot of people even on Twitter uh, who who basically just observe, scroll, look at the timeline, but don't really create stuff. But I guess the greater disparity uh, between the people who actually are putting out the majority of the content and the people who don't post any content or post very little, they, I've heard that disparity is greatest at TikTok. That's and and I and I bring that up because if that's the case. Might it make TikTok a little bit more expendable? I mean, would you agree that part of the thing about Twitter is we do like the fact that we can put out a tweet and maybe someone will retweet it or follow it? Um, I, it's, I get the impression, and I've just now started using TikTok, that a lot of folks, if a person with a small following on Twitter can put out a fire tweet and it get picked up. I sort of don't see that necessarily happening with TikTok. I don't know. You know, what, what are your thoughts? I've been thinking. I've been thinking about it the whole time you've been talking. I I, I find it to be untrue. I, I'm not saying what you're saying is untrue. I find it in how I use the app to be untrue because TikTok has what they call duets and stitches. There is a lot of people who react while watching. So you could, if there's a viral video or the Little Mermaid trailer that was big on TikTok. You can put it next to your face and you're live reacting to it. And then people are watching you're reacting and people are reacting to your reactions. And it's a, lever, it's a never ending cycle. It's how the TikTok algorithm works. And so there's people who their entire channel is based on them just looking at your, your content and that's their content. Um, but I will say this, TikTok makes it borderline impossible for me to send stuff to my friends who aren't on TikTok. Like let's say if you weren't on TikTok, and I sent you something, it's really difficult to get in the app and watch it. So people end up creating accounts just to watch the stuff that their friends send them without having any trouble. So there's probably where a lot of that stuff comes from is uh, a lot of people just create accounts so they can watch their friends, watch the, the videos their friends send them without difficulty. So I could I could believe what you're saying, that there's just a lot of people who have accounts who are either watching videos or watching links that people are sending them who aren't interested or aren't considered uh, content creators. So I can believe it. I just think for how I use it, it's probably not my true, 
but I could probably see the disparity. No doubt. Also TikTok for me is the one I don't follow any of my friends on and I don't interact with my personal friends because I already have them on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. So I wanted to keep TikTok a little bit separate. And I bet you that's the same for everybody else. TikTok's the least personable. So you're probably following your cousins, your aunts, your uncles on Facebook. You're following your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your friends on Instagram. Twitter, you're probably following your favorite celebrities or, or, or personalities. And TikTok's a little bit different. So it probably is the most expendable in that way. Right. Well, none of that, though, don't forget because of, I mean, I, 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 I do see a lot of people taking TikTok content and pushing it and, and, and downloading it and seeing it on Twitter and seeing it on Instagram. So, you know, put it this way. Since I joined, I don't feel like I'm getting anything new. I think anything I wanted to see or anything I needed to see is going to be reposted onto Twitter repo- and easier to find. You know, that, that TikTok algorithm with, with the thing, you know, I, you've, you, I, I think you may have shown up on my, is it even a timeline, once, my feed, once or twice. And, you know, the thing is, and I don't know, maybe it's the algorithm um, where I think it is because, you know, the most popular, a lot of popular content on TikTok isn't just literally even a video of me saying you should vote for Joe Biden. It's going to be a dance challenge. It's going to be me lip syncing a, a, a lyric. And I'm a 54 year old man. I have I, it was funny because there is a, a, a former elected official who's a high-ranking person who is going through a little bit of a career crisis at some point. And, and she literally, we thought, was getting stay home all day, get drunk, and make TikTok videos. I'm talking to a person north of 45 years old, right? Um, and we were all talking trash about that person. Um, so I think, I think that's the other thing, though, too, is that I, I think that there's a lot of people who feel that for what I'd have to do to be popular, to get followers, to get uh, any kind of audience on Twi- uh, on TikTok would potentially go against my brand. Now, if I'm younger or what have you, uh, you know, and, and again, I don't know if I really have a brand, but I don't know. I just feel, I, I feel like it's, I feel that there's a lot of performance and, TikTok seems like a place in which I'm going to be more of an audience member than really a part of the community. Whereas in the other spaces, I do feel like I'm part of the community and I'm contributing to the community. I, I think with TikTok, it's just best for me to, to be a voyeur in, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying, 100. percent you you definitely got to twerk or social something to get to get a lot of followers quickly. So this advice there, but um. Yeah, there might be an age thing there. I think TikTok is where all the, the younger creators are and they're doing creative things. But also remember, TikTok is young, John. Like Vine went through the same thing and died much. I don't think TikTok will have the same fate, but TikTok will plateau. There will be something else that makes it a little bit better and, and they'll go from there. TikTok's evolving. I was just talking to somebody in their 40s who were saying, why would I download TikTok? I could just watch all the TikToks on Instagram. And my response was, yeah, you're just watching them a week late. So if you don't care about that aspect of it, then you you won't ever have to have TikTok. Well, don't forget, I, 
I watch everything a week later any, or, or even further because I'll follow someone, something will pop up on my timeline and it looks new, but then I see it's four months old, right? Um, and, and I think the other thing though too is um, I think the biggest thing is the other social media platforms, I don't think we spend a lot of time. I mean, we always want followers and clicks and likes, but I don't think we spend an inordinate amount of time literally trying to draw attention to ourselves. Yeah, you're on there. You are hoping people see your post or, and, and respond and engage with your post. But it seems like with TikTok, people are a lot more going over the top with trying to get attention where I don't necessarily see that in the other spaces. I think that's more of a generational thing than anything where the, the, the younger generation cares about likes and profiles. And you could go to John, you could go to parties in LA and there's no guest list. You just have to show them your Instagram. You're above a certain follower account. You could come in. So I think the younger generation probably cares about that as much, as much than anybody else. So I'll pivot here to my last one. This is my last one. It's by the way, when I looked at it, I was like, they're getting less and less spicy but I think I organized it in a way that I thought was the least to most possible. So I think this is the most possible, probably, outside of Biden running. But I'm going to go back into the politics. That's what we do here. Um, my fifth one. So everyone's talking about Trump versus DeSantis. And I do believe that DeSantis will run. But my prediction is there will be a celebrity that leans right that joins the race. I'm not saying they're a dark horse. I'm not saying they'll win. I just think that you will have a celebrity. I wrote three here, but it's going to be in that realm. I wrote Joe Rogan, Elon Musk, or Matthew McConaughey. I think there's going to be someone in that realm who decides I'm sane enough and I have a big enough profile and I'm going to run as a Republican. I brought up Elon because there's a growing theory that he's doing this to run for president, that all of a sudden he cares about freedom of speech. He's, adding Congress to talk about the ominous bill and all that stuff. And I just think that maybe people think that he's running or at least that he'll be a vice president or something or part of a cabinet or something. But my, my prediction is there will be a celebrity who leans right, who gets in a 2024 Republican primary and tries to take on DeSantis and Trump, whether successfully or unsuccessfully is not part of my prediction, but that's my prediction. Well, I'll give you a few corrections. First of all, Elon can't run because he's not American born. So, 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 Interesting. So, the, so, so don't forget, he, unlike, unlike Obama, Elon was actually born in Africa. Uh, you know, so, <laughs> so, so that's, that's, that, that, that's, that's the first thing there. Secondly, McConaughey almost ran in Texas as a Democrat. So I don't see, I, and, and so I don't, so that cancels him out. Um, I could see Rogan, but here's the thing. I think, especially the run as a Republican, I don't think it can be a right-leaning celebrity. It's got to be a hard-right celebrity. And the reason why is that right now, if you're right-leaning means you're not right and you're not a Republican, why would you tarnish your brand, right? So I I, I agree with the theory uh, that there could be a celebrity candidate. I'll peel it back, though, saying, though, that I don't see it being a right-leaning. I see it being a hard-right, um, strictly because 
of what you need to do to win the Republican primary and everything else. You can't be merely a right-leaning. More importantly, if you're a right-leaning celebrity, there's a reason why you're only leaning. And I don't. I think the Republican Party right now is too toxic to 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 for someone who's just merely right leaning. Thoughts? Yeah. So I don't think Joe Rogan will ever do it. I just think I, I named those people. I forgot about Musk though. That's a good point. But I I just think someone in that realm, someone in that someone like Aaron Rodgers, someone who took hybrid back then about a year ago, uh, will run. The thing about McConaughey is interesting. I, is it confirmed that he ran as he was going to run as a Democrat? Because when I was Googling it, he never said it. And people were just assuming that he was left leaning, but still kind of center. But he could come out and say, I'm an independent or do something like cinema or mansion and just say, I'm in the middle, but I don't know what to choose either way. He doesn't want to alienate all the Republicans by saying he's a Democrat. And then, like you said, being a Republican is probably bad for his brand, although it doesn't seem like he's doing um it seems like he's just growing into politics more than Hollywood. So, yeah. But I don't know who else is... Like, I'm not talking about, like, the pillow guy. I'm not talking about something far, uh, far, far B, C, D celebrity. I just think someone with a decent size name. It might just be, like, a billionaire or a socialite. It might be a woman, right? It might be somebody like... Um, I don't know. Um, I don't know. But, like, just somebody who is right-leaning... Uh, who has a big enough name? Who again, John? These people have egos, and these people ha- they they don't know they don't think that it's bad for their brand because their bubble is all the same thing. So they just might feel like they're big enough to break it. They're going to be wrong, but they just might feel like, hey, I could probably make enough noise to get it out of the far right and bring it back center. I think I think you're right in the sense that they would be completely wrong, but I just think they might think that. Yeah, well, I also think though too, it's got a, to your point about maybe a billionaire. I think that it's gonna. I think that the celebrity and another reason why an argument against McConaughey is I'm going to say uh, a celebrity who has some type of experience that um, would lend themselves to being a, a, a decent president. I think one of the challenges that you have, and this is what Trump exposed, is as a country, we it's too important of a job to have someone who is completely new to this. Now, a different businessman besides Trump, a different celebrity businessman, like a Mark Cuban, would be a lot more of a threat as president. But I, again, I think Cuban might lean a little left. Um, but But like a Mark Cuban type where... There is a strong level of accomplishment, you know, and I think that if you looked and if you were to do a business school study or something that evaluated Trump versus, say, a Mark Cuban, uh, I would think that Mark Cuban probably checks a lot more boxes uh, to where he would be a more effective. So I think someone who would fit a Mark Cuban profile, but that's on the right, that would be probably the that would probably be the best celebrity route for the Republicans to go. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think Mark Rubin would be uh, obviously better than Trump, but I agree with you that I think he's probably a little bit left-leaning. Also, Mark Cuban uh, probably gets paid too much to, to want to run. He doesn't, he, like, his ego is big enough that he doesn't need to feed it. Uh, I also think the, the women in the Republican Party are uh, starting to, to be more star 
like MTG is a big star and Bobert's a big star. So maybe somebody like a heiress or like a, a billionaire's daughter or something might get in it. Uh, but yeah, I just think it's going to be interesting. Also, like, I know you got one more, but I'll let you close it. Man. I don't know if you came up with something or something on the fly. So I'll pitch it to you. Uh, well, I think I'm going to close with a uh, something I talked about in the um, in 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 the in the wrap up show, uh, and it goes back to maybe what we talked about earlier about Trump getting arrested, Trump getting indicted. Uh, I think when and uh, when and if it does happen, um, and we start really hearing more, I do think that this country is going to. Uh, be shattered, um, shocked, depressed. I think that we'll be we'll be entering uncharted territory, and we as a country are going to go through something, an experience that I can't really predict what it will be. I just think that it would be a more painful and more traumatic experience than anyone anticipates. It'll be painful and traumatic for the Trump fans, but it'll also be painful and traumatic for everyday Americans who will sit there and say, wow, how did we allow this man to be president? And I think that's going to, going back to just your prediction about a celebrity president, that might also kill any future celebrity president before, because I think we will see enough that will say never again, we will only, we can only let pros play this game. And I think that that would be a good thing, but I, I do think it would be really traumatic and sad for the country, even those of us who will dance on Trump's grave, who will laugh, who will definitely, uh, black Twitter will go to work and put in that work, but there'll be moments of reflection where we'll be like, eh, but damn, this, it, it, there's going to be something stomach turning about the whole thing. And it's not any particular incident that's going to be stomach turning. The stomach turning is going to be like, damn, how do we put this man in charge of the country? That's that's my take. What's, what's your response to that? Yeah, I remember talking about this last week with you. I, I think I was speaking for me personally that I'm just so ready for it that I wouldn't be shocked or anything. But I think it's probably, look, it was our number one story last week or for the year for a reason. Like what is happening is so unprecedented that it's it's really difficult to really take in. Like I still am kind of reeling over January 6th. Like I'm still kind of, in shock that that happened. So, so maybe, maybe I think you're right more so than I thought last week in the sense that I still am recovering from January 6th and I wasn't there and I wasn't like, I didn't have, I knew people there obviously through you a little bit, but I didn't, I wasn't directly tied to it, but I just felt like such an assault on me as an American that I'm still in shock. Now the person responsible for that going down may be less of a shock for me because I want, I want it, but it would be so unprecedented for the country that we would just have this collective thing that we have to figure out how to get through. Cause I, I, I wasn't really there for Nixon. I, I couldn't tell you, but that's a little bit different, right? He was never indicted. He stepped down, he was pardoned. And so um, I, this is the first thing that this is the first time that's ever happened in our country that I, at least I can think of. So I, I, I agree. I think it'll just be a collective uh, reckoning that we would have to deal with. Yes, 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 yes. So that's our predictions. As I said, my first prediction may actually, we'll know whether or not, uh, you know, within the, probably the, the end of the week, whether or not my prediction comes true. 
Um, but other than that, we'll, we'll, we'll watch this whole year and we'll see, we'll figure out how it rides out. So, uh, wishing everybody a happy new year. So for now, this is John signing off. And Fadi signing off. Thanks for joining us, guys.